It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you for being with me on this first Sunday in April. I'm going to start off with a story that's been in the news tragically. Rolling Fork, Mississippi, an area I know very well and have known for a very long time, like almost actually over 40 years. The tornadoes that came through Rolling Fork now 10 days ago, I actually was in Rolling Fork, Mississippi, less than 24 hours before those tornadoes came through. I did a show, as you may recall, about driving from Little Rock to New Orleans and taking the back roads to see the spring flowers and watch spring come to life and then turn to summer by the time you got to New Orleans. You can't make that back road tour, or one of the ways to make that back road tour is to go down Highway 1 and then loop up and come on through Rolling Fork, Mississippi, which I did on an absolutely beautiful, beautiful spring afternoon, and you would never know that the next day terror and death would come to this part of America and the Mississippi Delta. I first visited Rolling Fork, Mississippi, way back in January of 1983. I was following the waterfowl migration, working for Field and Stream and Outdoor Life magazine, and I had been told to go to Rolling Fork, which is the closest town to the Delta National Forest, a 50,000-acre spectacular area in the South Delta, as they call it, the Delta being beginning, as they say, in the lobby of the Peabody Hotel in Memphis and ending in the uh, when it goes up the cliffs, the hills at the Yazoo River in Vicksburg, where the Yazoo dumps into the Mississippi. So January 1983, I went there. And there was floodwaters everywhere. Everywhere I went, there were floodwaters. The 50,000-acre, excuse me, Delta National Forest was a mecca of flooded timber. There were flooded fields everywhere. And there were also ducks everywhere. But my home base during that time, for much of that time, was Rolling Fork, Mississippi. And just six miles up the road a little bit at the Leroy Percy State Park. So I know that part of the world well. In 1985, I ended up with a group of people acquiring a farm, Hollandale, Mississippi, which is the next little stop up north, up 61 from Rolling Fork. And for the subsequent 40 years, I have spent a lot of the late fall and early winter in in and around Rolling Fork, Mississippi. When this storm came through, the first thing I did was call an individual who's been a great friend of mine, for a long time and make sure he was okay and everything, everybody was okay. And I learned that his person he works with, his daughter, actually had climbed inside of a bathtub. And I want you to think about this for a second. Climbed inside of a bathtub and put a door on top of the bathtub. And the storm took the entire house. And the only thing that was left was this lady in the bathtub. It just makes you 
makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. So Rolling Fork is, uh, is a delta town, which means in today's Mississippi Delta world, there are a lot of abandoned houses. Prosperity, except for agriculture, left the Mississippi Delta a long time ago. There are lots and lots of trailer homes, very few homes of substance, but a few. And today, as I've talked to friends and seen pictures of Rolling Fork, uh, virtually nothing is left. I mean, nothing that I recognize in Rolling Fork is left. And, well, this is a story on the great outdoors, and I'll get there in a second. Rolling Fork, Mississippi, is, is so much like so many towns in rural America or the Mississippi Delta. Time has kind of passed them by. There's still great families there. There are individuals making a living, particularly off the land. Farming is big. But beyond that, there's not a lot. And when a storm comes through like the one that came through, there's there are just no structures that, that can handle it. And I think of that lady in a bathtub. So in 1988, I was in Rolling Fork, Mississippi in May. I was testifying before the Yazoo Basin Committee that Governor Ray Mavis had put together at that time with Secretary of State Michael Moore, which was looking into the Army Corps of Engineers' desires to put the world's largest pumping station, which you've heard me talk about from time to time at the mouth of the Yazoo River, to pump the water out of this actually basin. When the water gets high in the Mississippi, the Yazoo can't flow in and it floods tens of thousands and in some, some years hundreds of thousands of acres of farmland. So I had to come down to testify as I was part of a group called Save the Yazoo. I won't go too far into that today, but it was the only time in actually American history the Corps of Engineers has been halted in its tracks and cost, caused to reformulate a project which would have done enormous environmental damage. And today, 40 years later, they're still talking about, bringing, bringing, about building the Yazoo pumps, but they are not talking about um, clearing and dredging and channelizing miles and miles of some of the best rivers in the Mississippi Delta. So it's, it's May 1988, and I'm testifying before this committee or commission as to why the pumps and the draining of the Yazoo River would be absolutely catastrophic to wintering waterfowl as the Mississippi Delta then, less so now, is one of the most critical areas for wintering waterfowl in the entire continent. And I was finished with my remarks, and mind you, I'm, I'm a long way from Chicago. I finished with my remarks, and it occurred to me that, well, I was actually the only person in the room who wasn't from the state of Mississippi. But I had done this before, and I was leading the group that was trying to organize not a stopping of the project, as my great friend Hank Burdine has said many times. We were never trying to stop the project. We were trying to make it better. We were trying to provide flood relief while at the same time taking very important environmental and conservation considerations into play. When we started to Save the Yazoo, there was very little thought about conservation and what this project would mean to wildlife, particularly waterfowl in the Mississippi Delta. Today, as they talk about the pumps, that's the number one topic. How do we save wildlife in the Mississippi Delta? And Hank Burdine deserves a lot of credit for that, as do other individuals. But back in 1988, it was novel when I stood up and said, we need 
to build a project that alleviates flooding, but we have to do it in a, in a responsible way. And I was jeered and I was told, you know, you're taking, you're taking ducks over people. And I guess as I think back in my life, time in the outdoors, well, as you've listened to me for a while, many of you might agree. Sometimes I do take the side of ducks over people. But this was and remains today a historic project which done correctly can do a lot of good for the, for the environment. Done incorrectly will destroy what's left of the environment in the Mississippi Delta. So I finished my remarks, and I went and I sat down, and we're in the courthouse. I don't believe the courthouse in Rolling Fork, Mississippi, survived the storm of 10 days ago. I sit down, and I've been sitting for a moment, and I get this tap on my shoulder, and I look up. And there's an individual with a badge, and he says, boy, come with me. And I am not kidding you. All of you listening, you may be laughing. I, I didn't know what I was going to do. This was a packed courthouse, and this law enforcement officer has come up to me, singled me out after my remarks, tapped me on the shoulder, and... <laughs> told me to come with him. Well, I wasn't terribly excited about that prospect. So I told him, no, I, I was there to hear the rest of the hearing. And he said to me, come with me now. I won't try to imitate the rest of his accent, wonderful Southern accent. So I did, and I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen. I walked out of the courthouse and stood in the steps and said, did I do something wrong? And he said, boy, you're going to leave Rolling Fork, and you're going to leave now, and I'm going to escort you and don't ever come back. Um, I got in my rental car, and I followed this individual north out of town to the, to the city limits, and he turned around. He had his lights going the whole time, and he turned around, and I drove north up Highway 61. The only thing is this individual didn't know that I owned a farm only five miles up the road, and I can safely tell you today, 30 years later almost, I've been back to Rolling Fork many times, have many friends there, and to that law enforcement officer, I uh, am very glad that I spoke that day, and the project, with the help of so many to save the Yazoo, is still possibly saving the Yazoo. So that's my story of Rolling Fork, Mississippi, a place that's been destroyed, absolutely destroyed by this terrible storm. A human element to it and a great wildlife paradise in America. I'll be back in just a moment. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. When sunrise is your alarm clock, life is different. You eat a ditch for breakfast. Love the smell of diesel in the morning with a hot cup of joe. The weather report is 40% chance of mud. And corporate pull, that's 36,000 pounds of towing capacity with a gooseneck trailer. Mudden is PTO. You know sometimes when the paved road ends, the fun begins. Chevy Silverado 3500 HD is waiting to run over something, anything. No road, no problem, because the best way out is always through. A trouble rides a swift horse, and you don't want trouble pulling a backhoe loader. Chevy Silverado HD is a wake-up call. Now, during Chevy truck season, get a $1,000 accessory allowance toward the purchase of a new truck with accessories. You worked hard for your money. Spend it smart. 
So see your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer today or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for all the details. Chevy Silverado HD. Power up and experience life in HD. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. And yes, for those of you who were with me for the first part of the show, that's absolutely what happened. Boy, come with me. Well, it is Rolling Fork, Mississippi at the basically the doorstep of the Yazoo National Wildlife Refuge, Panther Swamp, and some of the most Fabulous hunting areas for deer and bear and ducks, geese, and all of the Mississippi Flyway. You won't be staying there anytime soon. There's nothing left. And for the people that perished in Rolling Fork, I didn't know any of them. Certainly our thoughts have always been with a community like that. And Rolling Fork may or may not be rebuilt. Well, time will tell. There wasn't much of it left, unfortunately, after decades of degradation. But um, it is a place that's special in my heart uh, for having been there so many times over the past 40 years. I want to talk for just a moment, remaining part of the show, about something that's really strange. And that is, what is going on in America? We've been talking a lot about Manitoba and how they don't like Americans, apparently. But what is going on in America when states across the West and actually in in the South and Arkansas, too, are increasingly saying non-residents not welcome. This will get expanded on a great deal in the coming months, and I hope to have a number of individuals who can speak really passionately about this. But we are seeing something in America. For those of us living in Illinois, it's it's probably a bit bizarre. We're seeing something in America where, where Western states are saying, we don't want you, or at least we don't want you in the kind of numbers you've been coming to hunt and fish, particularly a hunt, although fishing can't be far behind. So what's happened is a number of states have said, we are going to limit the number of people that can come to hunt in our states. Bird hunting, this has been going on for big game hunting for a long time, which is considered to be a limited resource. They've always had draws, but never for bird hunting. And Montana is the latest in line here where they're trying to pass a law they would say non-residents in Mon- Montana are going to go into a lottery if you want to hunt pheasants, partridge, ducks, geese. We're going to limit the number of you, and we're going to limit the number of days that you can be here. Furthermore, we're going to limit your season length, and we're going to tell you where you can and can't hunt. This is going to change wildlife management fundamentally. And the question I ask is, we wind down this show, but get ready for next week is uh, most of the West is public land. Most of that land is actually owned by you and me. Most of that land is supported by you and me. Our taxes go to the Bureau of Land Management. They go to the Fish and Wildlife Service, Department of Interior, the Forest Service. Why should a state have a right to tell people that they can't use federal lands. I, I know some of you are thinking there are lawsuits coming, and there are. But the lawsuits that have already taken place in the past, the federal land, lands claim was lost. North Dakota had a case where they were trying to limit the number of out-of-state duck hunters, particularly Minnesotans. And they, uh, Minnesotans sued. A number of people did. 
class action lawsuit, and they lost. It was determined that a state has the right to control non-residents, even if they're hunting on federal lands. We'll see what happens. But this trend of saying, you can't come here and hunt or fish if you don't live here, is, is not good for the future of hunting and fishing in America. It's understandable, particularly in the West, where so many people have moved and so many people are visiting. It's being loved to death, and and a lot of places that never had any hunters now have too many. So this is a story that that really is going to – it's not going to get solved immediately as these states try to pass laws, but it's one that could change the face of, 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 frankly, America. And what does it mean to have public lands? Uh, And maybe – I'm a state's rights person, always have been, believe that's how the Constitution was developed. But when you have federal lands within a state, does that not change the the rules a little bit? We'll find out. But the trend is non-residents don't come. We have too many people here already. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next Sunday morning with much more in the great outdoors. And when I do, I think I'll talk about, well, I think I know I'm going to talk about the state of Louisiana and a funding issue that uh, is going to be very significant in the coming years, or a lack of funding. Thanks so much for listening. This is Charlie Potter in the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.